and just has his boss's complete trust and confidence. The first traveler I mentioned that is with us throughout life, even though it comes and leaves us on its own, is temptation. How many of you will admit, yes, you know what it's like to walk with temptation. You see, temptation is something that all of us have to deal with, regardless of our age, regardless of our status, regardless of our position, regardless of our worldviews. doesn't matter whether we say know the Lord or not. Temptation is going to walk with all of us. It happens when we want something we cannot or should not have. One thing, the thing about it, we think that if, if we give in to temptation, we are going to feel better about it and we are going to be rewarded with something in return. But I can tell you from personal experience, temptation does not deliver what we hope. And it costs more than what we plan to pay. It's not like Amazon where you order it and what you order, that's exactly what you get. Temptation, it's something when we give in to it that we can't just go back and undo it because it always has a spiritual and an emotional cost that we can't just get back. You see, sometimes a trust is broken. Sometimes a commitment is violated. Sometimes a person is hurt. And just saying sorry or wish he hadn't done it does not restore trust. It does not put back the violation. It does not undo the hurt the person has felt. Potiphar's wife has temptation come alongside of her and points out to her, look over there at Joseph. Look how good he looks. And temptation says, after all, you're his boss. And even more than that, you're actually his owner. You should be able to have whatever you want from him. Now the thing about temptation is, it allows us to build up a fantasy world that has no basis in reality. We're thinking, well, I'm going to do this, and then I'm going to do that, and then I'm going to do this, and then I'm going to do that, and this is going to happen, and that's going to happen. We have this whole big fantasy. The first mistake we make is that we think we can control all the circumstances that will flow after giving in to temptation. We simply see everything going in the direction we planned from the beginning. And when it comes to sexual temptation, we have to dehumanize the other person. Because we, we won't look at the other person as this is someone's daughter or son, or this is someone's mother or father, or this is someone who wants to obey God, or someone who has a plan and a goal for how they want to live their life. No, we just see the person in an isolated moment in which they belong to us, and we get to do what we want to do, not realizing they are connected with people all over the place. We see the other person almost as a thing, someone who is there to please my desire. And we convince ourselves that this other person is 
to give in to our sexual advances. We don't know what their motives are for doing so. This might be the start of the greatest blackmail we've ever had in our life. You see, I do know this. Whenever we give in to a temptation with another person, no matter what the temptation is, they gain a power over us that they did not have before we gave into the temptation. For instance, you and I go and rob the bank and we get away with it. You are constantly living in the, with the knowledge that if I get caught, I might turn you in. Or what if I just turn you in anyway? I've got a power over you now that I didn't have before. And the same with sexual temptation. Once you have sex with someone, they have a power over you that they didn't have before, and you don't know how they are going to use it. Now, uh, we see in this passage here in Genesis chapter uh, 39 that men and women have the same problems when it comes to sexual temptation. Both men and women can seek to take advantage of others based on the position they hold. Potiphar's wife is like a boss. She is, she, she's even more than a boss. She's a, a master. She is sure that any slave would be delighted and honored to have sex with her. I mean, she is practically a celebrity. And if you're her slave, she can make your life either extremely enjoyable or very, very miserable. She thinks in her head that Joseph has been looking at her, and Joseph has been daydreaming about her, and Joseph has this fantasy about her. So when she approaches him, she expects that Joseph is going to quietly and joyfully follow her to fulfill her sexual fantasy. So she goes up to Joseph and she says, point blank, come to bed with me. Now, keep in mind, she is basically giving him an order, as a master does with a slave. She is not the least bit concerned with what this might do with Joseph's future. She certainly was not planning on leaving her husband to go marry a slave. So many times you, you give in to temptation thinking this person is going to do this for me afterwards when that other person, that may be the furthest thing from their mind. She really didn't care if Joseph could lose the best job he had ever had in his life. She didn't even care about the future consequences of what this could mean for her own marriage. Temptation will blind us to what we have and what it is we are about to give up, thinking we're about to get something that's going to be awesome, it's going to be incredible. She knew that she was going to be able to keep this thing a secret. She could find a spot and a story to go with it that was foolproof. Temptation will always make us think we are smarter than we really are. Temptation will try to convince us that God does not see what it is. 
know which servant it was that spilled the beans on it. And Joseph reminds her that his goal in life is not to go hopping from bed to bed. His goal in life is to obey God. Because without God, he never would have rose to the position of prominence that he was in. He knew God's view on having an affair. He knew what God would think of a one-night stand. So he called it a wicked thing and a sin against God. Joseph believed God's word was not old-fashioned. It was not out of date. Jesus comes along a few thousand years later, and Jesus says the same thing about adultery and sexual immorality. He reaffirms the Old Testament position that sex is to be between a husband and a wife. But Jesus even goes further, and he talks about sexual unfaithfulness to God happening within our minds and our thoughts. Jesus includes our sexual fantasies as lust, as being as sinful as the acts themselves. You know, today, statistic has it that 52% of the pornography that's viewed is now viewed by women. Why have we let pornography consume us, consume our thoughts? You know, your telephone, your computer, remarkable tools to do good, but they can just as easily be used to lead you down a road of temptation that you find it very difficult to get out of. Christian couples, you don't need pornography to enhance your sexual life. You need to love each other and ask God how you can serve each other even better and your sexual life will improve. You don't need to bring a third party into the bedroom with you. Even though Joseph tried to set Potiphar's wife straight, she was listening for what he didn't say. And she read far too much of what he didn't say. She says, thinking it to herself, well, he didn't say that I wasn't beautiful. He didn't say that the idea had never crossed his mind. He didn't say he didn't want anything else to do with me. So she persisted in this behavior of winking at him, reaching out and touching him, pinching him, talking to him. She just became consumed that she had to have Joseph in bed with her at least one time. Temptation was walking so strongly, she felt there was nothing she could do about it. It is a lie to believe that the more you resist temptation, the stronger temptation will get. No. It is when we give into temptation that temptation become much stronger and more powerful in our lives. Because now it's got a hook in us and it's going to pull us again and again and again. What feeds temptation is not saying no. What 
brings you to a point in your life when it comes to temptation in which you will act. Why on earth was that such a big temptation to me in the first place? You see, once you get some time and distance between you and the temptation, you'll question, why did it have such a strong pull? And you will appreciate the value that you said no to it. And the ability to say no keeps getting stronger and stronger. But the problem, my friend, comes in is that we don't really want to change our thought patterns or our behavior. You know, <laughs> we have uh, Netflix at our home. One of the things I did to help me not deal with some watching programs I didn't, shouldn't be watching, I just did the setting to a setting saying, you can't watch this program without a password. And I put the password in there real quickly and then forgot. So I can't accidentally come up on something that I shouldn't be watching. I have to intentionally ask them, send me my password so that I can watch this program that I'm not be watching. Philippians 4.8 says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, whatever is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. My friends, we want to think about what is action-packed, what is sensuous, what looks good, what is attractive, what is evil, what is, what is, what is, what is. Sometimes we are conquered by temptation because we want to be conquered by temptation. Because we think we can use it to get what we want. Potiphar's wife went after Joseph day after day with her sexual advantage. She was really harassing him on the job. And there was no human resources department for him to go and complain to to ask for help because she was the human resource department. Joseph knew the best thing he could do was to stay away from her as much as possible. The scripture says he refused to even be with her. My friends, why do we hang around some of our temptations? Why do we keep making faithful contact with people 
he was going to follow God. He was going to have to take some steps to distance himself, not only from Potiphar's wife, but from the feelings inside of himself. Temptation would probably tell him, Joseph, hey, brother, let's make a deal. If you give in just one, just one time, I promise you, I will leave both of you alone. The two of you can put this behind you, and you can go on with your life. My friends, it's a lie to believe. If I give in to it once, I'll never give in to it again. The reality is usually the opposite of that. Once you give in to temptation, it is much harder to say no the next time it comes around. And whatever the temptation is, once it gets a hook inside of us, it has a stronger advantage to pull us away from what God is calling us and to pull us down. What we thought was going to be a one and done turns into a negative spiritual force that keeps pulling us back to the same situation again and again. And we start wondering, why, 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 why can't I just let go of this thing? Because you need the power of Jesus Christ to set you free from it. You see, we begin to make the same poor choices over and over again. And we wonder, why can't we just walk away? You're going to need the power of the Holy Spirit to break the chains and allow you to be set free. But that's one of the benefits of coming to know Jesus Christ as your Savior. And making that decision to let go of what's pulling you back. Potiphar's wife was determined. She was going to break Joseph. And she finally came to the conclusion that probably the only reason he's still saying no is that he's afraid he might get caught. So she comes up with a plan and she arranges it so that there's not a servant in the house. It's like she's blacked out all the cameras. Now they can do it without any consequences of getting caught. And Joseph got up that morning just like he did every other day. And Joseph starts talking. Joseph notices he hasn't passed a single servant saying good morning to him. He notices it's very, very quiet in the house and nobody's laughing, nobody's talking there. There's just nothing. And I don't know he feels this strong pull on his cloak and he turns around and there's Potiphar's wife who is saying to him again, come to bed with me. Now, Joseph immediately puts two and two together. Nobody in the house. Nobody but us. He knows this is not the time to try to sit down and reason with him. So what did he do? He runs out of that house as fast as he can. But before he can do so, she won't let go of the cloak that he's wearing. So he's running. She's ripped his cloak off of him. While she's running, he's running out of the house. She probably gives a scream. Ah! Oh, I would have screamed back in them days. And what you can see is, what 
For Joseph, they turn and show what they really are. Those are feelings that she thought was love quickly turns into hate, and she is determined from that point on, I am going to destroy them. My friends, <laughs> some people will seek to destroy you if you don't give in to their temptations. Once Joseph starts running out of the house, and she screams, and the other servants all come running toward her in the house, somebody may have seen Joseph running out of the house. And when she calls all the servants in, she makes up this lie that Joseph had tried to rape her. When she screamed, he ran out of the house, but he forgot to take his cloak with him. This is the proof she needed to let her husband know what kind of a person Joseph really was. Now, some of us would have come up on this and we would say, Guilty! Open and shut case! Somebody saw Joseph's running. Several people heard him scream. Nobody was there to refute her version of the story. The cloak was definitely Joseph. And there it is, in her bedroom. And if there had been internet back then, there would have been clips of Joseph running out the house. There would have been clips of Miss Potiphar crying, and, and there would have been a picture of Joseph Pope lying there on the dresser beside the bed. Headlines would have read, Trusted Hebrew slave turns out to be a sexual predator. CNN would have had a special on the other women coming forth, calling them to come forth to tell of assaults by slaves who had too much authority. When Potiphar finally comes home, his wife seeks to blame him for this humiliating and embarrassing experience in her life. She says, you know that, that slave that you brought into our house, he came in here and he, he tried to rape me, and if I had been smart enough to scream when I did, who knows what all would have happened? What are you going to do to preserve my honor and my dignity? Well, Potiphar certainly couldn't ask Joseph for his version of what happened, because if he did, it would humiliate her even further by not only questioning if, whether or not she's a liar, but why would he be willing to take the word of a foreign, foreign slave over that of his wife, who was a noble Egyptian and the mother of his kids? The mere thought of challenging her words would have brought embarrassment to him. He was a member of Pharaoh's cabinet. Can you imagine the headline? Homeland Security's wife prefers her slave in bed over her husband. The scriptures tell us that Potiphar's wife had been after Joseph for quite a period of time. The scriptures also tell us that when Potiphar found out about these things, he burned with anger. Now ladies, especially, you know when another lady has been after a man for quite some time, y'all can tell she's acting. She's making all kinds of little things. You know. And when y'all see that, what do you do? Some of y'all start gossiping about it. 
and Joseph. Somebody said he was, he burned with anger. I wonder if he was angry with her that these rumors he heard might have some truth to it. And if it, they did, her story just isn't adding up. I wonder if he's angry at Joseph. How could Joseph have done this, or probably more likely, how could he have been dumb enough to let him get himself in this situation? Or was he angry that he couldn't get publicly at the truth? Or angry that if he got rid of Joseph, all that good fortune that had come into his house because God's favor was on Joseph was going to come to an end? Or angry that he felt his hands was tied and that he had just got caught in something he didn't even imagine was going to happen? Something tells me this is not how Potiphar's wife thought all of this was going to end when she first started fantasizing about her and Joseph together. This was not the fantasy she expected. Rarely is the fantasy we put in place the reality of what happens in the end. She decided to crush and to destroy Joseph once and for all. She despised that he chose the righteousness of God over a delightful day of sinful pleasure with her. And she was determined she was going to make him pay for not giving her what she wanted. When Joseph is led off to prison, she thinks, it's all over. Can you imagine her fear when Joseph comes to power three years from now and he's over all of Egypt and Joseph remembers what he did to her? You know, you might be listening to me today and you are thinking about sexually abusing a child. Your son, your daughter, your granddaughter, your grandson. I want you to know that whatever your fantasy is, it's going to lead you to destruction. You may think, I will never get caught. But I'm telling you, that person that you are abusing is one day going to have the power to crush and to destroy your life and your future. I remember reading in the Plain Dealer this past week, this general in the United States Army comes forward and says, yes, I did abuse my daughter when she was a child. Do you think back then he expected to have to make this confession decades later? It's a lie that all you want to do it is just one time. You need to don't get started. Or if you've already started, you 
is in a no-win situation. Even if he didn't believe his wife, he was not in a position to just let Joseph walk away. And if he did believe God's favor was on Joseph's life, what would God do to him if he had Joseph executed? And if you're Joseph, what do you do? As a slave, he can't in front of Potiphar and other officials tell Potiphar that his wife is a sexual predator and that she's an outright liar. He has tried so hard to protect his master's marriage by saying no to temptation and yes to God's will. But by being obedient to God, it looks like it's going to cost him everything, including his life. It must have been pretty discouraging when he got the news. He was headed for prison, where the king's prisoners were confined. His other companion that had journeyed with him was returned. He had said goodbye to suffer, I mean temptation. Hello to suffer. Suffering had showed up again. Joseph may have been asking God, God, why can't you see that I've been doing the right thing? It's been a hard enough being sold as a slave. Now you're sending me to prison when I am doing the thing? When is all this going to stop? I'm going from one bad situation to another. Restore to me the joy. 
salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. You see, David recognized that he could not change his heart. He couldn't go back and change his path. He couldn't, and you can't, and I can't. You remember earlier that I told you that Jesus said to Satan to leave him alone. And Jesus told him that because he knew that you and I were going to be at that place where we were going to need forgiveness and that we were going to need another chance. Jesus went to the cross and paid the price for our forgiveness from our guilt and sin. None of us have to worry about whether or not God can still use us or whether or not God will still accept us. As a matter of fact, God specializes in using people who have been broken by sin, but are now willing to invite Him into their lives. You and I have not seen the last of the temptations that we have been called to face. We're always going to have a choice to allow the Holy Spirit to either lead us out of the situation or to stay there and try to fight the battle on our own. God is faithful to never allow us to be tempted beyond what we can bear without providing a way for us to escape. Let me ask you something. Are you willing to pay the price to escape? Always keep in mind, Jesus paid a price to give you enough strength that you need to be able to escape. Don't wait for a moment. You can follow God without paying a price. Joseph is ready, getting ready, to pay another price for being faithful to God. But then we will begin to see a reversal take place. Let's pray together. God, we thank you that even when we fall, you don't give up on us. Even when we blow it, even when we disgraced ourselves and betrayed others, you're still there with open arms, willing to receive us back. God, if there's one here today listening to me that doesn't know how much you love, doesn't know how much you care about, let them right now feel your love. And if they ask for your forgiveness, let them be enveloped with your love, your grace, and your presence. May it fight you into their lives. My friend, if you've given your life to Christ today, we want to know about it. Give us a call here at New Life at Calvary, 316-338-5118. Be glad to pray with you. Be glad to encourage you. We need brothers and sisters to help you grow in your faith in the Lord. We've got Zoom Bible studies that can help you grow in the Lord. You can meet other people and you can 